Hello, and welcome to the Commander Theory Podcast. I'm Nick Beatman, and I'm here with my friend, Zach Kamak. Hello, everybody. So today we are going to be running through all of Commander 2020. It's uh, We've got significantly more cards this year than in previous years, with 71 new cards in C20 versus 59 in C19. So we've got a lot to cover today, a lot of new commanders, a lot of new cards that could potentially become format staples. So we're going to try to get through this quickly. Uh, but before we do, I want to briefly talk about our Patreon page. If you head on over to patreon.com slash commander theory, you can support the show and get sweet benefits for as little as $1 a month. If you aren't ready to be a patron yet, then you can support the show by writing a review on Apple Podcasts or Stitcher. All right, with that, let's jump into the new legendary creatures. All right, uh, so we're going to start with... Uh, a mechanic that is new to Ikoria, and it's showcased in one of the five precons. Mutate is a new mechanic that allows you to cast a creature spell for an alternate cost, and then place it over or under a target non-human creature you own. They mutate into a single creature on top, plus all abilities from the creature underneath it. So essentially you're, you're melding two creatures together in that they form a single unit, but they're getting the abilities from both, and they are treated as a single unit when it comes to like bouncing them to your hand or destroying them or exiling them. Although if you choose to send your commander with mutate to the command zone, then the other creatures don't go to that same zone. They go wherever they would otherwise normally go. So the commander that is showcasing this mechanic is Otrimi, the ever playful three black, green, blue for a six, six legendary nightmare beast. It has mutate for one black, green, blue. It has Trample, and whenever this creature deals combat damage to a player, return target creature card with Mutate from your graveyard to your hand. So what do you think about this card? So far, like it's pretty hard to um, talk about the Mutate commanders. There's a cycle of Mutate commanders, Wedge commanders, in Ikoria proper. Um, and it's pretty hard to talk about them because we don't know what else is going to be in the set. But this guy, it kind of doesn't matter specifically like what the cards with mutate do just that they have mutate so um i actually think that this guy is pretty efficient he basically comes down as an aura in turn four so if you have like let's say a looter ilkor or some other little guy you can get some value off of you can uh play him turn three or four with ramp and just kind of start doing what you're trying to do with him which is just attack your opponents and get value so i do think this guy is interesting and actually like will build a fun deck not even knowing what other mutate cards exist um just because there's a lot of tech with just discarding and drawing cards from your graveyard again um recycling cards is always kind of like a good thing to do in commander Mm -hmm. for these mutate cards especially the ones with higher power do you think that putting them on an infect creature is going to be like the best line a lot of the times. Yes. So definitely uh, putting this guy on an infect creature will probably be one of the best things you can do with him. And I think with any of these uh, mutate commanders, just like it's, it's going to be so efficient. And so many of the infect creatures are small little guys that come down way before your commander does. So yeah, I would definitely say that, uh, you're going to hear us mention Infect a lot when we talk about these Mutate guys. All right. Well, we will see uh, exactly how this, this card shakes out 
it is somewhat dependent on the other mutate creatures that get printed. Maybe there's going to be some that are really efficient or grab or add some great abilities to this commander. So we'll see how that turns out. But um, it's an exciting new card, like all the other mutate commanders. And I think with that, we can move on to the next one. Yep. Who is the, the next commander in the Sultai deck? Yeah, so this is uh, Zaxara the Exemplary. I'm pretty sure I said that right. A 2-3 Nightmare Hydra for one black, green, blue. Uh, they have Death Touch and Tap. Add two mana of any one color. And then they also have whenever you cast a spell with X in its mana cost, create a 0-0 green Hydra creature token. Then put X plus one plus one counters on it. There's like a bunch of weird angles with this guy uh one is that you just can go infinite like you can just do that you can just put a freed from the real or like a Pemanzora on it and you just you just go you have infinite mana congrats so that's a lot <laughs> like that that's kind of a more than most commanders kind of get in general <laughs> just a one card infinite combo yeah, I think this guy is going to have a similar uh, reputation as like Niv-Mizzet's 1.0 or 3.0. Like when you sit down with uh, with Zaxora at the table, people are going to ask you, are you running Pemanzoria, running Freed from the Real? And that's going to completely change. Your answer is going to completely change how they assess you as a threat. Yeah, for sure. Um, the other thing is that other than just like at literal Hydras and just getting more Hydras, like casting a hydra and getting a slightly smaller hydra next to it um basically all the x spells in this color just kind of win Mm -hmm. like the sultai x spells you just win the game typically these are things like exsanguinate and torment of hellfire and genesis wave or finale of devastation or villainous wealth like these x spells are like huge and like game breaking so i'm not really sure if I want like a Hydra <laughs> alongside of that, if mm-hmm. that's the best thing that I could be getting. But um, I don't know. It's, I, I definitely think we will see this guy being played uh, more likely than not in, in combo. It's <laughs> honestly, it's pretty, pretty crazy. All right. Uh, forgive my pronunciation on these next two. Oh I'm yeah. Not entirely sure how Ikorian phonemes work, but this is, a partner pair and uh, they partner with each other so one is Kazur Ruthless Stalker three and a green for a three three legendary human warrior it has partner with Ukima Stalking Shadow so when this creature enters the battlefield target player may put Ukima into their hand from their library then shuffle Kazur also has whenever a creature you control deals combat damage to a player put a plus one plus one counter on that creature his partner is Ukima Stalking Shadow one blue black for a 2 2 legendary whale wolf. It has partner with Kazur. Ukima Stalking Shadow can't be blocked. And when Ukima leaves the battlefield, it deals X damage to target player and you gain X life, where X is its power. So I I find that the, the partner pairs in this set are a little bit underwhelming compared to the partner with commanders from Battle Bond. In, <laughs> in Battle Bond, uh, most of those commanders generated cards, and I thought that they were really interesting worthwhile synergistic effects whereas there's a lot more of just like growing larger and dealing direct damage among the partner pairs in this these Ikorian precons yeah I, I would say that this pair in particular is 
probably the weakest of the ones we're going to talk about because at the bare minimum of the other pairs one of the two kind of will do something like you're like okay i i want to do this um here it's just kind of slow and and not super efficient and then when ukima like leaves it deals damage to one like one player Mm -hmm. one like that's not even um vela the nightclad came out like years ago now and even she dealt damage to each opponent and this it's power and you get one bigger if you have kazur out and it's still only to one player like it seems very very silly to me compared to some of these other uh partners we're going to talk about which are like obviously more powerful (laughs) yeah i think maybe because it's damage rather than life loss what you could do is maybe give ukima infect and then pump it up and then like hit and then if it dies that person is just out of the game Mm -hmm. um so it, it might be a way to put them on a leash potentially um but yeah i'm 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 still not in love with these very combat damage oriented commanders Mm -hmm. that i don't think provide the damage at a great rate yeah exactly it's mm, yeah not feeling it too good yeah like you're, you're not on color for double strike you're not on color for haste granting I, th- I think there's better better colors for this type of commander. Yeah. So I think moving on to the next uh, next guy, right? We're moving into the uh, teamer color identity. Mm-hmm. So this is Calamax, the Storm Sire, a 4-4 elemental dinosaur for one green, blue, red. Whenever you cast your first instant spell each turn, if Calamax, the Storm Sire, is tapped, copy that spell. You may choose new targets for the copy. Whenever you copy an instant spell, put a plus one, plus one counter on Calamax. So I actually really like this guy. Could just play Earthcraft, uh, Honorworn Shaku, uh, Loam Dryad, Cerulean Caretaker, Spring Leaf Drum. All these things are just kind of mana with your commander, but also help you cast those instants on other turns. You can just run like Berserk and Fatal Frenzy because your guy's going to get bigger every time you like copy things. Uh, And I... There, there is one notable like combo, but it's not like degenerate. I don't think necessarily. It's just if because he copies the first instant you cast on your turn. Let's say it's someone else's turn and they cast an instant or sorcery. You can cast a twin cast and target your twin cast, and then Calamax gets like just as infinitely large. Um, what you do with an infinitely large Calamax, you'll need something else to do, which is why I think it's like fair. Mm-hmm. I think that's fine. But it, I think it does bear mentioning that that is something. And I do want to say thank you to uh, Alex Whiteclay for catching that as we were talking about it, because I definitely missed this with this the steady stream of spoils this last weekend. It was it was a lot and he has helped a lot. So, yeah, more spoils than ever in a shorter time frame than other. It's uh Yeah. Yeah, a whole set and a commander set in one weekend is it's a kind of a lot. So um definitely a good catch and a cool idea. So I, I, I do like this guy. Yeah. I really like the uh the aggro route with Fatal Frenzy or Berserk because you know, you really just need to get one counter on him or like one extra point of damage and then Fatal Frenzy or Berserk like will copy and give him a counter and that's twenty damage on its own. So you're you're so close to the finish line yeah yeah just definitely 
uh, a powerful dino boy. Mm-hmm. All right. The next commander is Zyrus, the Writhing Storm. Two green, blue, red for a legendary snake leviathan. It's a 3-5 flyer, and whenever an opponent draws a card, except the first one they draw in each of their draw steps, create a 1-1 green snake creature token. Whenever Zyrus the Writhing Storm deals combat damage to a player, you and that player each draw that many cards. So what do you think about this, Commander? I actually, I like this guy for a lot of weird reasons that I didn't think. So they've been giving, um, they especially gave like Tamar and the Jeskai decks a lot of things to do with wheels this time. Um, wow, wheels are very good with this guy. Mm-hmm. You get so many snakes, just so many snakes. Just put them all in your deck get everyone to just draw a bunch of cards get so many snakes and uh you're gonna kind of uh what am i trying to say the gameplay is gonna look a lot like nekusar but instead of just killing everyone outright you get like a ton of snakes and can blow them out with overrun effects and stuff like that um there's also like a ton of snake tribal that like buffs your snakes or like does a lot of like really stupid things like keep your opponent's lands tapped down if your snakes hit them and stuff Mm -hmm. and if you're getting that many snakes that's like a pretty good way to leverage that kind of advantage that you're getting over everyone else so yeah i think there's a lot of stuff in these colors that can make use of a a huge snake army because like you said you have the overrun effects in green you've got like the the biden of thassa coastal piracy effects in blue Mm -hmm. and you've got like shared animosity in red so just a a lot of cool uses for the snakes that you're generating yeah it's really cool and then they're like is the route of just you can play pump spells and they draw you a bunch of cards Mm -hmm. So, um, too. and get you a bunch of things. So there's just like a lot of angles on this guy if you really wanted to. Uh, and that's, that's cool. That's great. Mm-hmm. So these next two, this is the next, uh, partner pair, partner pair, partner with pair. Uh, this first one is Paco arcane retriever. Paco is a three, three elemental hound for three red green. So five mana, uh, has partner with Halden avid arcanist has haste. And whenever Paco Arcane Retriever attacks, exile the top card of each player's library and put a fetch counter on each of them. Put a plus one, plus one counter on Paco for each non-creature card exiled this way. So I do want to note that's lands because it's just every non-creature too. So if you whiff, quote, quote, he just is a big boy. Mm -hmm. And then Halden, uh, Avid Arcanist, is a one for human wizard for two and a blue. You may play non-creature cards from exile with fetch counters on them if you exiled them, and you may spend mana as though it were mana of any color to cast those spells. So it really doesn't do anything but let you cast those cards, but um, also says play, so you can play lands that you have exiled with Paco. I have kind of, I, I was going to say like meaner things about these guys, but I actually think they're fine, because I think the difference between this guy and Atali is that like Atali the Primal Storm, six mana, six six comes down you have to attack like you have to give it haste and attacks you exile the top card of everyone's library and you can cast them for free this does kind of give you the option to like play them together and paco is just going to be huge like paco is just going to come down and be huge and they're going to have to deal with it and then when they deal with paco you can play halden and just start getting value off of him so i'm actually not super upset with these guys like i thought i was when i first saw them mm-hmm. i don't know what the deck looks like if that makes sense. It's kind of like an Atali list where like the deck doesn't necessarily, it's like kind of controlly, I would assume. Yeah. A, a lot of it is, um, 
the thing is you don't have a lot of control over what your opponent's top cards are mm -hmm. and then for your library yeah you can set it up you can play some sort of top of library tutor but even then is that like exiling it with paco is is kind of just worse than drawing the card naturally because <laughs> then you have yeah. to go through the hoop of playing halden to cast it oh yeah I, I mean i definitely agree with that i think the the key here is that it's not your library like you'll just have stuff to do eventually like this pair in particular makes me think of new players really heavily where they're not maybe not super good at deck construction and so paco attacks they exile some stuff and then the new player runs out of stuff in their hand they just like are hellbent and then they go, oh, yeah. And then play Halden and go, oh, okay, well, you, you like, exiled a, I don't know, like a Pyroblast from you, I'll blow up his thing or whatever. You know what I mean? Like, mm -hmm. I, that's what this guy seems like to me is, like, kind of a new player. Like, hey, hey, here's some, like, free card advantage because you wanted to play with your, your cute elemental. <laughs> mm -hmm. I think we can move on to the next commander. And this is the, this comes out of the Mardu Precon. She's the face commander, and she is Jarena Kudro. One red, white, black for a 3-3 legendary human soldier. When she enters the battlefield, create a 1-1 white human soldier creature token for each time you've cast a commander from the command zone this game. Other humans you control get plus 2, plus 0. So uh, we've been sniffing around for human tribal for a while now. Ever since we saw some unusual token typing in the recent Ravnica block, we've kind of been assuming that human tribal was on the horizon it looks like we've finally gotten it so this is exciting um i'm pretty keen on human tribal there's so many humans from across magic's history that i think there's a a lot of powerful cards to put in this deck mm -hmm. um i and i also like that they kind of split out like jarena is the aggro commander she gives you something to do with all of your human uh, your more aggressive humans. And then in the main set, they put General Kudro, who's more of like a grindy value human commander. So uh, it's it's great that they've given you multiple options for how to go with human tribal. Mm -hmm. No, I also appreciate that. And I kind of hope that we see more and like in some different color combos too. Um, I think there's room for humans to do more than just like attack or exile graveyards or things like that. Mm -hmm. All right. Uh, well, she seems very powerful. There is some good human token generation in Akoria, the main set, uh, in this precon in particular, which we'll we'll get into later. But there's some great ways to spread around that plus two plus zero bonus, and I'm so much happier to see a plus two plus zero bonus than a plus one plus one bonus. Oh, yeah. Like on General Kudro, it just makes your your token so much more valuable and so more much more likely to trade up with uh, more expensive creatures. How do you, uh, how would you go about building around her? So if I was going to build her, I would really try to find all the things. Like I would literally throw everything that makes multiple human tokens in. Um, I think one of the best cards in this deck is just Hanwer Garrison. Um, it's so big, so fat. It comes down on turn three, you play her on turn four and you attack for 10. It's, that's so crazy. That's so good. Um, so any of the things that give you little guys are really good. Um, also kind of notable, she keeps track of the number of times she's been cast, unlike uh, the Prosh cycle from, what was that, Commander 2013? Mm -hmm. So when she enters the battlefield, it doesn't really matter how she entered. She looks back at the last 
number of times she's been cast from the command zone. So eventually you could use these blinking effects and you could be netting a decent amount of three ones onto the battlefield. Uh, and really it's not actually requiring you to uh, invest that much onto the board or that much out of your hand. Um, so I think throwing in some of those flicker effects for like the late game, um, these ephemerates and stuff like that, that are pretty good anyway and can save your commander and other like kind of key humans. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that is a pretty good route to go too. Yeah. I like that strategy. All right. I think we can move on to the next commander. It is Kelsey and the plague red, white, black for a two, two legendary human assassin. It has vigilance and haste and Kelsian gets plus one plus one for each experience counter you have. It also has tap. Kelsian deals one damage to target creature you don't control. When that creature dies this turn, you get an experience counter. So this is interesting. It's bringing back the experience mechanic from Commander 2015. Yeah, I think it was 15. But um, you, you listening could correct us too. <laughs> yeah. Um, but it's exciting to see it used in a new way. And I've actually heard talk about people using this to farm experience and then have like another card as your your sort of real commander, quote unquote. Yeah. Um, someone was talking about using some actually uh, one of our patrons was talking about using uh, Kelsian to generate experience counters so that they could play Daxos and then use Daxos to pump out huge spirits. I do think that's very cute. This I mean, it's so much easier to kill things with this guy and get experience than a lot of the other experienced commanders like mm-hmm. geez mm-hmm. yeah poor daxos uh so naturally because uh it shoots things death touch is going to be very good here uh what are some other good tech for um for kelsey and the plague i mean i would probably just put a thornbite staff in here have you said you haven't mentioned that yet no right? that's a good idea just a thornbite staff yeah, it really seems like you don't really need to put too much in here just because he kind of has a lot of the things that you would need to start really like shotgunning the board. I think if you do end up putting uh, a Thornbite staff on this guy and just start like ripping through everyone's board, um, that's kind of all you're going to need to get a bunch of experience counters. And uh, if you're just using him, then he's just going to be huge and you can start coming down and swinging after you've cleared the board of just everything. Um, but other than that, I would just be running ways to protect him. I think that just like tech, um, especially like out of hand tech to kind of surprise your opponents as opposed to sticking like a dark steel plate or something on him might be a little bit more effective. Um, this is definitely a deck I'd run like manatee then to really like gotcha (laughs) an opponent something like that um memory lapse stuff like that he's interesting i think uh we haven't had a pinging commander in a very long time Mm -hmm. all right uh let's move on to the partner pair for the mardu deck it is trin champion of freedom and silvar devourer of the free so trin is three and a white for a three three legendary human soldier she has partner with silvar devourer of the free at the beginning of your end step, if you attacked this turn, create a 1-1 white human soldier creature token. Silvar is 3 black-red for a 4-2 legendary cat nightmare. It has partner with Trin, champion of freedom, menace, and you can sacrifice a human to put a plus 1 plus 1 counter on Silvar, devourer the free. It gains indestructible until end of turn. So the play pattern for these two um, 
seems to be like Silvar is your your beater, and then you have this ability to grow it and protect it against spot removal and mass removal. So that seems pretty like a pretty solid game plan. It's also a sack outlet for humans, which may be useful for humans with death triggers. I'm thinking like Reliquary Monk, which is two and a oh, white yeah. for a two-two. When it dies, you can destroy an artifact or enchantment. Is also Academy Rector, uh, Arena Rector. Both of those, when they die, they really need a commander that's a sack outlet. But when they die, you can search your library for a huge enchantment or a, a powerful planeswalker and put them right onto the battlefield. So both of those might be uh, good cards to add to this list. I don't really have too much to say. I think that Trin is probably good enough to play on her own in certain other human lists too. Just because there's not that much human token production. And I think that's really interesting. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think this may also be a good um, this may also be a good pair for lots of board wipes because your your main damage dealer is going to be protected from. Yeah. All right. Uh, moving on to the Jeskai commanders. So we're going to start with Gavi Nestwarden, two blue, red, white for a two five legendary human shaman. You may pay zero rather than pay the cycling cost of the first card you cycle each turn. Whenever you draw your second card each turn, create a 2-2 red and white dinosaur cat creature token. So uh, this is a very cool cycling commander. We've been waiting for one at, at least since Amonkhet block. So it's great to see it, and it's on color for uh, a lot of the, the best cycling enablers. You get your new perspectives, you get your astral slide, your astral drift, a lot of really uh, powerful and interesting cards that you have access to. Um, I also really like the reward that you get off of her. For in for doing all that cycling, you get to accrue a bunch of tokens, and then you're on color for shared animosity, coastal piracy, uh, a lot of really good buffs and ways to generate cards off of these tokens that you're getting. So you can always have uh, a pretty decent board presence, a lot of cards in hand, and... Uh, you're able to, that'll be sort of your win condition when uh, most of the cards in your deck you never really intend to cast. Yes. Although a lot of them, um, like, just because there's such a strong incentive to run cycling with this commander, you get to run a lot of, like, unique silver bullet kind of answers. Mm-hmm. Which is cool. I, I actually, I would say that that's actually one of my favorite things about Gabby is, to me, it seems like she's going to play kind of like morphs do where like there's just so many morphs that you never quite know what is going on well there's so many cycles and so many like silver bullet cycling cards that you're never gonna know if they are gonna deal four damage to your flyer or if they're gonna counter this activated ability or if they're gonna just like gain four life for free like you you don't know what is in their hand because they're gonna be able to rip through their list just the the library is just gonna get shredded as they're just cycling all these cards so fast yeah, and you can sculpt it, sculpt your hand pretty easily so that you end up with the best answers. Like, having a bunch of cycling cards in hand is cool, but pretty darn sweet once you're able to, to sculpt it. So you've got, like, Neutralize, which is a counterspell, oh, yeah. or Miscalculation, or all these solid answers that just happen to have cycling. And, of course, the the big tech that I want to mention, uh, there are a couple cards that have extremely high cycling costs that are normally prohibitive, but Gavi makes them a lot more viable. So, for example, Decree of Annihilation. Mm -hmm. Uh, Cycling for five red-red, when you cycle it, destroy all lands. Well, that's pretty good when you have a commander that, like, reduces your cycling costs and gives you uh, an aggro army on the battlefield. So 
it'll like prevent your ability your opponent's ability to answer the threats that you're generating yeah it is really really cool like the i think the big decrees and there's the um one that blows up all the artifacts and enchantments your opponent's control for like way too much mana mm-hmm. in the in the new set too we'll, we'll get more into that we'll, later we'll get to this um they're so good with gabby because you just you're sitting there and you can just cycle like decree of annihilation and hit all the lands just at instant speed for free or you can counter a spell for free and draw a card like there's just a lot of some like good tech um that it's kind of finally hit the critical mass with gavi here and with Ikoria too printing all these new cycling cards mm-hmm. all right the next commander is akeem the soaring wind rough translation two blue red white for a three four legendary bird dinosaur it has flying and whenever you create one or more to- one or more tokens for the first time each turn create a one one white bird creature token with flying it also has three blue red white creature tokens you control gain double strike until end of turn so how do you think you'd go about building around akeem so there's a ton of cheap token producers do you just keep making tokens you just gotta keep doing it there's so many uh any efficient way to make tokens in these colors and there's a lot because you're you have the red white in this color identity uh, is going to reward you with like more um birds more tokens and stuff like that so it just is kind of giving you a little bit of extra oomph every time you do cast one of these like um make two myrrh or make two humans or whatever um so you can get this really huge army really fast with this commander and you're also in blue. So you have all these coastal piracy effects. Um, but I, I really think this is just a token list. I, I don't think you have to really think too hard about it. Mm-hmm. I think there are already like Jeskai tokeny commanders. I mm-hmm. think that like Kaikar is pretty good. Like most of the best token generators are non-creature spells. So you can, kind of mm-hmm. kind of use that for like a similar strategy but it's like double strike is cool that will certainly get you additional triggers off of your your combat damage triggers mm-hmm. um i think this is a much more fair card than kaikar is um that was actually one of the points of comparison was kaikar came out last year kaikar is a token list um and you can do some pretty degenerate things with the mana production that kaikar has so kaikar has sack a spirit at a red tier mana pool mm-hmm. and whenever you cast a non-creature spell you create a one one flying white spirit um this guy is kind of just supplementing your token production and then making them hit harder but also costs five mana um so i just i think it's fine if you want to run this guy like this if if this works you're gonna beat down really hard but um I do agree with you. I think that there are better options if you want to do a Jeskai token list. All right. uh, Moving on to the next commander or commanders, as in this is the next partner pair. Brawlin Sky Shark Rider is three and a red for a 3-3 legendary human shaman. It has partner with Shabraz the Sky Shark. Whenever you discard a card, put a plus one plus one counter on Brawlin and it deals one damage to each opponent. It also has, you can pay red to... Give target shark trample until end of turn. Shabraz the Sky Shark is three white red or three white blue for a three three legendary shark bird. It has partner with Bralin, flying, and whenever you draw a card, put a plus one plus one counter on Shabraz the Sky Shark and you gain one life. 
It also has white blue hybrid target human gains flying until end of turn. <laughs> I think this is the best of the partners in this set, I, I would say. Mm-hmm. And this is also the funniest by far of the partners. Um, it's like I always just in my head don't even think of these activated abilities as being there. I'm actually like kind of trolled that they're there at all. Like you're never going to give a shark trample and mono red. Like you're never going to want to do that. And you're not really going to want to give a human. I mean, you might want to give a human flying, I guess, in blue white, but not on a five mana shark, which is pretty hilarious to me. The real like power in these guys um, honestly comes from, I would say Brawlin, who um, is basically a commander version of like my favorite card from last year, which is Glinthorn Buccaneer, has the same trigger, except uh, Brawlin gets bigger when you discard cards too. Wow. Um, you are in colors to just, you could combo out with these guys very easily. Um, you could put a curiosity on Brawlin and just go to town, just win, just discard your whole, your whole thing. Um, or you could uh, again run a ton of wheels uh, your guys just get really huge and just beat in and when i say really huge i mean they get huge like fast like mm-hmm. they get large very very quickly um and they're both your commander so they both can just kill people <laughs> very effectively um do not uh i mean you should fear the sky sharks that's all i'm saying with these guys they're very they're actually legitimately very good yeah, how do you feel about the, uh, the introduction of the shark creature type? I'm uh, I'm going to be completely honest. I'm a little bit trolled about it. I, I do not think it needed to exist. I think splitting creature types, especially like possible future creature types, is not as good. I think one of the reasons, like elves, is just things can be elves. There's lots of different types of elves. Mm-hmm. And uh, there's a difference between like a Lorwyn elf with the little horns and an elf from... Ravnica where they're like very proper and prim and stuff like that. Like there's very different types of elves depending on where you go in the multiverse. Um, I I would hope that they would have done some kind of just fish tribal and sharks would have been there and sharks could have been in the fish tribal one day. But now it looks like we have to have fish and shark tribal and those cards can't double up. And Well, we've got our first shark tribal commander here. Yeah. <laughs> Mono red sharks. <laughs> oh yeah. Give them trample. Um, so I'm a little trolled at that. I would actually say that that's actually one of my biggest gripes with this set is that I like the text boxes of these cards a lot. And I actually am not super into the aesthetic of Ikoria mm-hmm. as much as I thought. There's some of the things that are really cool. I like the, like the Monster hunter aesthetics and stuff, but the the whale wolves and the, the like flying dino nightmares and it's a lot. Yeah. It's kind of a lot for me. <laughs> So I, I really like a lot of these cards. I just really wish the aesthetics were um, switched up a little bit. And I'm so sorry if you're really enjoying this. Uh, it is a little bit more over the top than most magic sets. And I think it's good to go there sometimes, but I'll be uh, excited for a little bit more grounded. Grounded. Yeah. All right. Uh, moving on to the Abzon commanders. We'll start with Cathril Aspect Warper two white, black, green for a three, three legendary nightmare insect. When it enters the battlefield, put a flying counter on any creature you control if a creature card in your graveyard has flying. Repeat this process for First Strike, Double Strike, Death Touch, Hexproof, Indestructible, Lifelink, Menace, Reach, Trample, and Vigilance. 
Then put a plus one plus one counter on Cathril. For each counter put onto a creature this way. So this is uh, going deep on those ability counters. Yeah, I would say this is going as deep as like humanly possible or insectly possible. So Karen Wander came out a long time ago and like people really like Karen Wander and they've done variations on that uh, ever since. You'll see a few of them in the precon, actually. Yeah, you'll see a few of them in this precon, and uh, I think this commander it really just like pumps that up to eleven and makes it something that's actually playable. Um, you want to like discard and mill a ton of creatures with a ton of abilities on them. Um, honestly, Zatalpa is probably one of the best creatures for this deck, not because you want to play it, but because you want to pitch it. <laughs> you want to give it away with your Fauna Shaman, pitch that thing, get something else. Uh, and then when Cathril enters the battlefield, you can just distribute these counters, or she can just keep them, she can keep them all, become this gigantic, indestructible, double-striking, flying, whatever the heck you wanted to be uh, thing. So definitely a, I would say a fun version of that kind of effect. Karen Wander is smiling from from beyond high, mm-hmm. like looking back at its legacy. Yeah, I, I when I saw this card, the first thing I thought of was like, okay, what is the most abusable ability and where is it the most messed up? So I was thinking about putting Indestructible on Magist of the Disc. So Magist of the Disc is two white-white for a human wizard. It's a 2-4, it enters the battlefield tapped, and it has one tap, destroy all artifacts, creatures, and enchantments. So notably, it doesn't sacrifice itself so if you have a way to give it indestructible, then you can activate the Magus as many times as you want and uh, protect itself and, and just continue to clear the board and get value. So I, I kind of like that line. There are naturally in the pre-con some, uh, some cards with indestructible. You can add more, add additional ways to find them, and set up this cool combo. But other than that, I don't think there's a, a whole lot of... like combo-y stuff you can do it's just like big beaters with lots of keywords yeah i would say that this is a very um straightforward list in general which is kind of uh not the same as this next commander uh this next one is tiam luminous enigma a three three nightmare beast for one white black green Uh, each other creature you control enters the battlefield with an additional vigilance counter on it three Remove three counters from among creatures you control. Put the top three cards of your library into your graveyard, then return a permanent card with converted mana cost three or less from your graveyard to the battlefield. I have been like talking to this card with friends as if you want to play Gave, but you want to do it more fair. You don't want to combo as easily. Um, it's going to run a lot of similar cards. You're going to be running a lot of persist creatures. You're going to be running a lot of creatures that enter the battlefield with counters. Um, and you're going to want to, uh, run cheap reanimate effects because they make it so your commander can't die. So if you have an animate dead in your graveyard and your commander on the battlefield and three mana and some guys with counters, your commander just can't die to spot removal anymore. Um, which is good. That's important. Like saving your guy is pretty good. Uh, I would say the most important cards in this list are definitely Ashnod's altar. And honestly, Phyrexian altar is much worse in this list than it is in most other lists. I would say I usually want a Phyrexian altar, but Ashnod's altar is like 
probably the best card here. A friend has rough drafted a list for Tyam and was telling me a lot about it. It's basically uh, you can combo finish in a few different ways. The big one is Collar of the Claw. If enough creatures died this turn, uh, Collar of the Claw is a 2-2 for 2 and a green with Flash. She's an elf. When Collar of the Claw enters the battlefield, put a 2-2 green bear creature token onto the battlefield for each non-token creature put into your graveyard from the battlefield this turn. So let's say you had a like sack link going uh, and you have a Collar of the Claw in the graveyard. You can use Tyam, put Collar into the battlefield. She enters, the bears all get counters, she gets a counter. You can remove those counters to sack her again, maybe to an Ashnod's altar, maybe sack another bear to an Ashnod's altar. You have infinite mana, you have infinite bears, they all have vigilance. Um, congrats, you did it. That's the easiest way to um, kind of two-card combo this, but it requires setup. You have to have at least like five creatures died, four creatures. Um, so that can be pretty difficult. Um, but other than that, you're just running a lot of persist creatures and you're running a lot of uh, ways to put counters on things. Cathar's Crusade is insane in this deck. Um, the Good Fortune Unicorn, uh, which is a 2-2 for one green-white that whenever another creature enters the battlefield, you put a plus and plus one counter on it. Um, basically any combo that you would see in like a Malira list or like a Safi Eric's daughter list might be in this list too. Um, it's a blast, uh, and pretty much every card is functional until it's time to combo, which is, uh, very cool. So, uh, kind of like I said, if you like gave, uh, but gave might be a little bit, maybe you're like, this is a little too easy to combo with. This might be the list for you. Mm, I like that take. All right. Uh, moving on to the final commanders from the pre-con. We have Yannick, Scavenging Sentinel, and Nikara, Lair Scavenger. So Yannick is two green-white for a 3-3 legendary hyena beast. It has partner with Nikara, Lair Scavenger, Vigilance, and when Yannick, Scavenging Sentinel, enters the battlefield, exile another creature you control until Yannick leaves the battlefield. When you do, distribute X plus and plus one counters among any number of target creatures where X is the exiled creature's power. Nakara is two and a black for a 2-2 legendary human cleric. She has partner with Yannick, Menace, and whenever another creature you control leaves the battlefield, if it had one or more counters on it, you draw a card and you lose one life. So they have some great synergy together. Uh, Yannick can make it so that so that all your guys qualify for Nakara's card draw. And there's a lot of good cards in this color that can uh, sort of, that can easily get your creatures to a point where Nakara will draw you a card off of them. So as as you mentioned, there's Good Fortune Unicorn, there's um There's Cathar's Crusade, there is Renata, Call to the Hunt. Mm -hmm. Um there's plenty of cards in this color identity that just naturally add counters to things as they enter the battlefield or shortly afterwards. So I think there's a lot of good ways to to make it so that you're you're pretty well protected against a board wipe. If your opponent wraths you, you can just refill your hand and commit more cards to the board yeah and then i think like one of the things about these partner commanders is that they all are kind of made to beat down a little bit and the shark sharky boys definitely can beat down and i think these ones also you can just absurdly like you can just kill someone out of nowhere like if you have a nakar on the field and you have a lord of extinction and you just Lord of Extinction away, like Yannick away Lord of Extinction, you just killed someone. Mm -hmm. <laughs> you probably just killed someone with Nakara because she is Menace. So like it, it's really kind of uh, absurd. Or like if you flicker Yannick, like play Lord of Extinction, flicker Yannick, distribute those counters. Like 
this deck in particular can also like on top of having this amazing like draw engine kind of going in it you can just kill people out of nowhere and i think that's wonderful (laughs) yeah i think it's gonna be a lot of fun to play with so we've done it we made it through the commanders um congrats if you've been listening this long we're gonna try and get through main deck cards uh as, as quickly as, as possible. As quickly as possible. There, there's not as much to say because uh, we don't have to talk about entire decks. Uh, we're going to mention the ones that we like uh, or things that are notable and try and move on. So uh, if you need a rest, uh, maybe stand up, stretch, take a deep breath, and here we go, I guess. Let's let's do this. All right. Let's, let's clear out this cycle first. So uh, we have the impetus cycle. These are auras with enchant creature that give enchanted creature some sort of bonus and goad it. And then they also have an, an a attack trigger for that enchanted creature. So the white member of the cycle is two and a white or enchant creature. Enchanted creature gets plus one plus one is goaded. Whenever enchanted creature attacks, each other creature that's attacking one of your opponents gets plus one plus one until end of turn. Uh, I, I think the rest of the cycle pretty much follows that template. What do you think about this, this cycle of auras? Yeah, the blue one scries, the black one, the control of the creature loses life and you gain life. The red one gives you a treasure token. The green one costs a little bit more, but like forces creatures to block it. Um, they all are using goad in like a pretty effective way, I would say. Um, this isn't something that really appeals to me but i see i know people really love goad and uh, this is something that would troll me very hard because i know uh forcing my commander to attack and giving my friend a treasure token is going to happen and i'm not looking forward to it yeah yep all right uh we have collected together some new mutate cards that are unique to c20 they are Souvenir Snatcher, which is four and a blue for a 4-4 four, four bird with flying. And whenever this creature mutates, gain control of target non-creature artifact. You can also mutate it for five and a blue. Uh, we also have Mind Leecher for black black for a 5-5 five, five nightmare. It has flying. Whenever this creature mutates, exile the top card of each opponent's library face down. You may look at and play those cards for as long as they remain exiled. And it mutates for four and a black. So then the last one is uh, roughly translated to Fangbreaker. It is a 6-6 trample for 4 green-green. It mutates for 3 and a green. Whenever this creature mutates, destroy target non-creature permanent. Its controller creates a 3-3 green beast token. So all in all, all three of these cards I think are notable just because they have mutate. Um, That's kind of it. I mean, the the green one is obviously very good. You're not going to get too many. All of these, like these mutate triggers, you're just not going to get that many triggers in a game mutate tends to be the cheapest one is a green one that costs three um that's the cheapest mutate cost it's the spider um so it goes up from there and most of them are five mana or more Mm -hmm. so you're really not going to get a lot of these triggers like you're definitely going to have a turn where like you mutate and then you mutate again and then you blew up three creatures like you're going to have big splashy turns with this but it's not going to happen that many times in a game so I think these are notable because they mutate, because these go into the decks of the creatures that require mutate commanders, and that's kind of where I'm going to leave them. Yeah, I, I pretty much feel the same way. I wouldn't run one of these mutate creatures in just a random deck. Um, I, I don't think the effect is worth the amount of mana you're paying for it, unless you're you're doing it a lot and stacking those mutate triggers. Yeah, yeah, it's pretty much only worth it in a mutate deck. All right. Next card is is pretty cool. It is Cryptic Trilobite. XX for a 0-0 Trilobite. 
Cryptic Trilobite enters the battlefield with X plus one plus one counters on it. Remove a plus one plus one counter from Cryptic Trilobite to add CC. You can spend that mana only to activate abilities. And it also has pay one tap, put a plus one plus one counter on Cryptic Trilobite. So it's colorless card, but not an artifact, which is always unique and interesting to see. Yeah, I love that. Um, but primarily this card is going to slot into Gave decks uh, because if you have a Trilobite on, with two counters on it um, and a Doubling Season or a Primal Vigor or an Illusionist Bracers on your Gave, then you can go infinite very easily. So it's another combo piece for those decks. Mm-hmm. Or just a Hardened Scales, I think, right? That would also do it. Uh, I think you're right, yeah. I think that would do it. Yeah, it is real isopod hours in the Gave list now, so congrats, everybody. Mm-hmm. Um, this next card is Avenging Hunt Bonder. This is a 3-3 human warrior with double strike for three white-white. Whenever Avenging Hunt Bonder attacks, put a double strike counter on another target attacking creature. The allure of ability counters uh, might be deceiving because this is just still very slow. I know the creature keeps double strike. I know. I know that's what the counter does, but it's still five mana and it doesn't have haste and it has to attack with another creature. Like at bare minimum on turn six, you're going to have to it's going to be turn six before you get a double strike counter on something. I'm so sorry to tell you this. It will kill someone. <laughs> if yeah. left unchecked, it will kill someone, but it is very slow. So that's yeah. really all I got to say about this card. I know. It's uh, it's no duelist heritage. I'll say that about it. Yeah, that's for sure. All right. Next card is one I'm very excited about. It is Call the Copper Coats. Two and a white for an instant. It has Strive. So this spell costs one and a white more to cast for each target beyond the first. And you can choose any number of target opponents. Create X 1-1 white human soldier tokens where X is the number of creatures those opponents control. So I think this is likely to get you a lot of humans at a very good rate. Uh, It's instant speed, so you can do it at the end of somebody's turn, maybe dodge a board wipe. And of course, uh, the more opponents with creatures have, it it scales pretty well for the additional mana that you put into it. So I'm I'm very high on this card. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I love this card. I think it's a great tool not only for human decks, but I think it's also going to be good just for token decks in general. I, I mm-hmm. expect that it's likely to give uh, a body to mana ratio that's pretty close to one to one. Oh yeah, of course. I, I actually very much agree and like this. Like there even lists like Derevi lists that like exponential token growth with tapping and untapping things. You need a place to start, and if you start with a card like this, where you're getting, let's say, you're getting like seven humans for seven mana um that's very quick <laughs> exponential the, you're starting pretty high on that curve and mm-hmm. that's pretty great um this next card is cartographer's hawk uh this is a 2-1 flyer for one and a white uh when cartographer's hawk deals combat damage to a player who controls more lands than you return it to its owner's hand if you do you may search your library for a planes card put it onto the battlefield tapped then shuffle your library um, this is awesome for so many reasons. Like white really needed this help for the catch up mechanic. Uh, it, white doesn't need to be the one like blazing ahead, but being able to keep up is very important. This is also very, very good in, uh, a bunch of white lists in general, like God Eternal Ketra really loves this, li- this card in the list. Um, I, I just am very happy this card exists. I think the downside is you're still mono white and if you have to pay two to play this every turn and then wait a turn to ramp that is going to be a little bit slow and kind of clunky but i think uh 
I'll, I'll take what I can get basically. Yeah. I, I, I feel that, um, it's definitely slow and like paying two mana every turn adds up, especially if you're already behind on mana, but you don't have a lot of better options. Yeah. This is the best thing that's happened since like night of the white orchid and, uh, it's way better than night of the white orchid. I would say, mm-hmm. All right, uh, moving on to another sweet white card. This is Dismantling Wave. Two and a white for a sorcery. For each opponent, destroy up to one target artifact or enchantment that player controls. It also has cycling for six white white, and when you cycle it, destroy all artifacts and enchantments. Uh, I'm really, I'm pretty high on this card. I know it's sorcery speed, um, so it won't be able to like interrupt combos or really interact on your opponent's turns, but I, I see it a bit like Grasp of Fate where, yeah, it's sorcery speed, but you're getting your value, you're answering a threat from each opponent, and uh, it's it's good value in that sense. And of course, it's very good in the Gavi deck, because that cycling cost, while it's prohibitive for most lists, in that list, it's zero. Yeah, so you just blow up all artifacts and enchantments at instant speed, uncounterable, and you draw a card. It's wonderful, so good. Um, this next card is called Flawless Maneuver. It is two and a white for an instant uh creatures you control gain indestructible until on a turn if you control your commander you may cast the spell without paying its mana cost um this is there's a cycle of these free if you control your commander cards uh they're all instants they're all pretty good um this is good i mean really any aggro list this is just going to be pretty good in um one of the worst things that can happen to you when you're playing a token list or or especially a not token list where you actually had to invest cards of the board is just getting wrathed and having to build back up trading this one card for the three cards or like man heaven forbid like five cards that you invested is pretty good so um love this this is a cool interesting card do you think this is going to be a staple I think so. Do you think this whole cycle is going to be staples? I know for sure some one some of, them of are. some of them yes. Yeah. Um, so for this one, I, um, I I think there's some pretty easy comparisons. There's a lot of aggro decks out there that are looking to protect their team. So Boros Charm has a more restrictive color identity, but it sees play in almost twenty thousand decks. Uh, of course, Teferi's Protection has also seen a lot of adoption despite its significant uh, dollar cost. Teferi's Protection sees play in 18, almost 19,000 decks. Uh, and then Heroic Intervention is another similar effect that also sees a fair bit of play, according to EDH Rec, with um, 23,000 decks. So if I think these are all pretty strong indicators that there's a lot of demand for this effect in this format. And I I would expect Flawless Maneuver to be a staple, at least for aggressive decks that commit a lot to the, a lot of creatures to the board. Mm-hmm. I also like that it is mono-white. Mm-hmm. That's great. Yeah, I think maybe after we see all the white cards, we'll just give it like a quick, mm-hmm. how did they do in terms of white? Yeah, we, we have a few more white cards. We don't actually have too much to say about the last ones here, but they are definitely notable. Okay. This next card is Herald of the Forgotten. Six white white for a 6-6 cat beast with flying. When it enters the battlefield, if you cast it, return any number of target permanent cards with cycling abilities from your graveyard to the battlefield. Um, I think that uh, eight man has a lot for this guy. <laughs> yeah, I, I definitely, uh, there's definitely a magical Christmas land 
where you have cycled it, it doesn't even matter what they are like a crappy five five hex brew for seven but it cycles for a blue and like uh the glass hulk that like cycles for a hybrid white blue and you just you cycled all these crappy or you things, cycle a bunch of lands a bunch of like, lands a bunch of stuff and then you get to eight and you play that you slap this guy down and all of a sudden your board is huge and it's kind of like the island of misfit toys it's all these things that i would never actually want to cast ever in my life but like here they are and they're here to beat face that's what this card makes me think of but um yeah it's value but they are almost certainly going to be bad cards that you are getting off of this guy yeah so uh, definitely fun um good shrugs i'm not sure uh i think it is definitely good just because you will be getting good things but uh yeah eight is a lot of mana so you better have cycled your whole deck before you cast this guy Mm -hmm. all right uh next card is uh i like quite a lot it's it's verge rangers two and a white for a three three human scout with first strike you may look at the top card of your library anytime as long as an opponent controls more lands than you you may play lands from the top of your library and you can play a land this way only if you have an available land play remaining i don't that's interesting that they are adding that reminder text yeah Yeah, the reminder text is very very interesting this is awesome Mm -hmm. i love this i love this so much yeah, as someone who has played a lot of white decks over the year, they are quite good at not having the most lands. Yes, yes, it is. Uh, it is very, very normal to be behind on lands, and just all these ways to catch up, and not even just catch up, like just being able to like look at the top card of your library, like being able to plan your turns a little bit better than other people at the table. Like that's it's so good, and this is only three mana, mm-hmm. which is wonderful. Like, oh man, so good. Yeah, I'm a very I'm a very big fan of this card. I can't wait to combine it with like shuffle effects or self mill and like really sculpt the top card of my library and make the most out of that extra bit of information that I'm getting every turn. Yeah, white is really getting some nice things this this time. So this last card is Vitality Hunter. This is a three four nightmare with lifelink for three and a white. So a white nightmare interesting it has monstrosity x so uh x white white to monstrosity it when vitality hunter becomes monstrous put a lifelink counter on each of up to x target creatures uh i don't like this Mm, same yeah that's that's all i feel like interesting white nightmare cool i was like oh uh, interesting saw monstrosity and was like "Mm, not feeling it and then read it and was like definitely not feeling it yeah, I like the flavor. Um, I think having a white nightmare is, as you said, pretty cool. But uh, no, I, I don't like this. If I want to give my guys lifelink, there's much better ways to do it that are less expensive and less fragile. Mm-hmm. So this was our last white card we were going to talk about. And uh, how are you feeling about white? I think they did really well with the white cards this yes. year. It felt like they gave them some some very necessary tools. They can they have not quite ramp, but like catch up in terms of lands. That's mm-hmm. great. A really useful tool for white aggro decks. Um, some good removal for artifacts and enchantments. I'm, I'm pretty pleased. Oh, and a good token generator. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think they they turned out pretty well. Yeah, no, I I agree with you. I think white really. I, hopefully, they keep this trend moving forward and just giving things that white has been needing. And eventually, white's gonna get get somewhere, get there a little bit. Maybe, mm-hmm. hopefully, we'll see. But um, I think getting into the blue cards, there's some interesting, interesting blue cards. So the first blue card we're going to talk about is roughly translated to Barracuda of the Tide. It is a 3-4 fish for three and a blue. 
It has any player may cast spells as though they had flash. Your opponents cannot cast spells during your turn. I actually like this because I'm a masochist (laughs) (laughs) when it comes to magic. I I really... Obviously, Vidalcan Ori is a very expensive card and people really like it. I think it's kind of overhyped because I don't think people always use it correctly. Um, Just having flash and being able to play in response to your opponent is very powerful for mm-hmm. and, and I think people know that, but I don't think people um, process that and what that means. I think Vidalkan Ori uh, favors players who uh, have more experience and that's what I think this card is going to do. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I think um, like our friend Mark who helped with this list earlier, who has been playing a very long time is going to really like this card because he plays it. No one can do anything on his turn and he can kind of mess with everyone else on everyone else's turn. I think this could go wrong for you sometimes. Uh, not specifically in your turn, not like as a gotcha on your turn, but just when everyone is casting things whenever they want, uh, that gets pretty buck wild pretty quickly. Yeah. Um, I, th- I think that people may be annoyed with it enough and like what it's the, the, the power it's granting other players that they'll just kill it. Uh, yeah, I definitely agree. But there are, there is one deck in particular that I think can make good use of it a bit more than other commanders. And that is Kadena Slinking Sorcerer. So she is the morph commander. She is one in Sultai, so blue, black, green. For a 3-3 Naga wizard, the first face-down creature spell you cast each turn costs three less to cast. Whenever a face-down creature enters the battlefield under your control, draw a card. So that first cost reduction ability Normally, it's hard to get use of it uh, more than once per round of turns. But if you have something like Grant's Flash, then you can get up to 12 free mana per turn instead of just the normal three. So I think it'll be pretty good there. But mm-hmm. otherwise, could be a liability. Yeah, I definitely think it can be a liability. This is uh, I don't think this is a format staple, but I do think it is a fun card. Mm-hmm. Um, this next one is Crystalline Resonance. This is a two and a blue for an enchantment. Whenever you cycle a card, you may have Crystalline Resonance become a copy of another target permanent until your next turn, except it has this ability. Um, this is only useful in a deck with cycling. That's kind of it. it I, I'm kind of upset that it doesn't just be the thing mm-hmm. forever until you cycle again. Um, I do love Mirage Mirror. Mirage Mirror has been a card that I played with a lot these last few years since uh, Hour of Devastation came out. But um, I feel like the difference between this and Mirage Mirror is that this card needs other cards to work. And I feel like I'm being punished for no reason Mm -hmm. um, when it doesn't stay a cool object because I might not have another card to turn it on. Yeah, I I feel the same way. it is pretty the only deck that can likely cycle repeatedly is going to be gavi yeah and i'm a little reluctant to put in non-cycling cards into that deck i think that you want to be able to cycle so consistently that the non-cycling slots are at a premium and it has to just be the things that really uh really multiply your force Mm -hmm. and i don't think that crystalline resonance does that nope i agree with you I, I just think I would cut it probably from that list. It just doesn't seem like it has a place. Mm-hmm. Um, this next card is Decoy's... Ga- oh, sorry. This next card is Decoy Gambit. It is two and a blue for an instant. For each opponent, choose up to one target creature that player controls, then return that creature to its owner's hand, unless its controller has you draw a card. Uh, I don't like it. Yep. Uh, I think that 
I mean, uh, I've never been a fan of giving my opponents control over whether my card works. Uh, best case, I mean, they're they're not likely to do what you want them to do. And if they choose to give me a bunch of cards, the thing I'd be looking for is just a better answer to whatever I would be trying to bounce. So I'd rather just run more answers in my deck than decoy gambit. Exactly. Um, do you want to read this next guy? Sure. This is Eon Frolicker. Two blue blue for a 5-5 five five elemental otter with flying. When it enters the battlefield, if you cast it, target opponent takes an extra turn after this one. Until your next turn, you and planeswalkers you control gain protection from that player, which means you and your planeswalkers can't be targeted, dealt damage, or enchanted by anything controlled by that player. I'm, I'm not a huge fan of this card. Uh, yeah. <laughs> taking an extra turn is one of the most powerful effects in Commander. Uh, it, it gives you a bunch of mana, it draws you a card, it gives you um, more opportunities to attack. So I would much prefer that this card were, were the other way around, where I would get the extra turn and they would get the 5-5 five, five flyer, because 5-5 five, five flyers are much worse in Commander than they are in most other formats. Yes, uh, I was really excited. I was like, okay, we can't play with Lutri, so... Um the pre-man and everything here's another elemental otter what does this do and then i read it and was like oh no Mm. not gonna play with that card either (laughs) yeah uh this next card though is quite powerful it's pretty spicy yeah fierce guardianship two and a blue for an instant if you control a commander you may cast this spell without paying its mana cost counter target non-creature spell so the way i've been evaluating the cycle is like what's the difference in cost between like the effect at a normal rate versus what I'm paying for it. If I don't have my commander and that, that different. And also like, what's the, what's the discount I'm getting if I do have my commander. So this is only one more mana than negate. And I think it's still playable in that case. Mm -hmm. Um, But getting to potentially negate for zero is a huge, huge bonus um i i think this is likely to be a new format staple and i hope that wizards has a lot of plans to reprint this card because otherwise it's going to be the next teferi's protection yeah i 100 percent agree which honestly teferi's protection should get reprinted more mm-hmm. <gasps> um this is definitely i think just going to be a new format staple and the fact that it is printed in these commander decks is going to mean that much like other commander staples printed only in commander decks it's going to be uh expensive unless they do something about it um yeah they they really do need to reprint this because this is big game and it's very cool and i'm glad it exists i just hope that they um get let people play with the cool toys yeah no i absolutely hate like cast trying to cast my commander on curve and not having any mana up for to protect them oh my god yes so being able to get them down and then still be able to answer like the first removal spell that somebody tries to cast is very very appealing i can't I'm, I'm going to need many copies of this card. I know, I'm so upset. Um, I really like it though. This, this next card I actually really like too. So this uh, translates to heavenly whale. This is a three, three flyer for four blue, blue. Um, it has delve. So you may exile cards from your graveyard to help pay the uh, generic cost of this card. And whenever heavenly whale attacks, you may put an instant or sorcery card exiled by heavenly whale into your hand. Um, I think I I actually really like this card. <laughs> I know it's slow. Uh, I'm probably not actually going to play it, but I love seeing them find new spaces for delve and uh, new spaces for like old mechanics. So I really uh, hope to see more 
kind of uh, playing around in this space. Yeah, I I am a big fan of the delve mechanic. Um, I am a little reluctant to use this card just because there is uh, a downside to it. There, You could always cast it, delve back some really important spells, and then it dies before you're able to recur them. Oh, yeah. So... I'd, I'd be a little worried about that. And I, if I'm trying to recur spells, especially like in a, a combo-y setting, like with um, time warps and mm-hmm. setting up loops, then I would want to to do it in a way that doesn't risk them getting exiled forever. Yes. No, for sure. Just, yeah, I, I agree. I'm probably not going to play this card, but I'm excited it exists. Yep. Um, kind of this, this next card's in that same vein. This is Nascent Metamorph. A 1-1 shapeshifter for one and a blue with an adorable face. Uh, Whenever nascent metamorph attacks or blocks, target opponent reveals cards from the top of their library until they reveal a creature card. Nascent metamorph becomes a copy of that card until end of turn. Then that player puts all the cards revealed this way on the bottom of their library in a random order. So basically, whenever this thing attacks or blocks, it becomes whoever the the next creature in whoever's deck. Um, Is that good? I I mean, it's probably worth two mana do i care no (laughs) yeah that's that's how i feel about this card i i feel that way too um it's entirely possible that i'm going to flip into a birds of paradise Mm -hmm. or lanoir elves uh that the fact that i have no control over this means that i am not super interested oh yeah also the the fun times when you hit like the uh the fertilid and it just dies immediately oh yeah that'll be Mm, nice that's real good hopefully fertilid is being reprinted in this set so i'm pretty sure we're gonna see a little bit more of it than normal Mm -hmm. and uh yeah that'll be real fun Um, but that is it. That is it for the blue cards. Uh, not for the set. We have a little bit more to go for then, but, uh, how are you feeling about blue? Uh, I think blue didn't need that many things. So Mm -hmm. it's okay that most of these cards aren't super impactful. They got one staple and that's, uh, that it's a, it's a doozy. So I think they, they made out well, they didn't, they didn't need a lot. And they didn't get a lot. It's yeah. okay. I'm fine with that too. I totally agree that one staple is kind of carrying the team here. Um, do you want to get into these black cards? Yes. So the first is Boneyard Mycadrax. It's a it's two and a black for a star star fungus. Its power and toughness are each equal to the number of other creature cards in your graveyard. And it has scavenge four and a black. So you can pay four and a black, exile this card from your graveyard to put a number of plus one plus one counters equal to its power on target creature. And you can only do that as a sorcery. Uh, I'm thinking, well, I, I don't know if I love just the base case. I'm, this might be a card you end up running in like a, uh, maybe a, a felon deck. I was going to say Varl's, um, the, where you can scavenge for just three, uh, is very good. I also probably am going to run this in my Jared list because it gets pretty big for just three mana. Um, you can just throw it and probably deal like upwards of 10 to 20 damage at everybody. Um, so I think lists that care about sneakily big boys, um, lists that would play a bone horde. Um, those are things I would look to play this card in. Um, but other than that, I'm not really interested in it. Yeah. That's pretty much what I would say. It it seems like a pretty narrow card. Mm -hmm. This is, um, definitely a will get large um but you are gonna have to work to make it large so uh it really really has to be in a deck that already is milling itself really hard Mm -hmm. 
All right, the next card is Deadly Trick. Three and a black for an instant. If you control a commander, you may cast this card without paying its mana cost. Exile target creature. So this is the black member of the uh, free instant cycle. How do you feel about it? Um, I think that it is fine. I think that I would rather play a more reliable kill spell, even though exile is nice. It's just the fail case on this is horrendous. Mm-hmm. A four mana card that exiles a creature is not where I want to be ever. Yeah, no, there are a lot of like zero, one, and two mana kill spells in black that kill most things pretty effectively. Mm-hmm. So killing, paying four for anything is super unappealing. And even in the best case scenario where you have your commander and it's free, it's still only sl- like a tiny bit better than your best options. Yeah, I agree. Like I play snuff out pretty heavily and that card is pretty much always good. The only times I've ever been sad is against like mono black or black X Voltron, which doesn't happen that often. Mm-hmm. Um, and then you just have other kill spells cause you're in black. So yeah. it's like, like you, you've got slaughter pact, you've got mm-hmm. like vendetta, you've got go for the throat, you've got victim of night. There's just so many mm-hmm. very cheap kill spells. Yeah. And then if you add any other color, if you add red, you have terminate. If you add white, you get like D spark and things like that. Like that's, it's an anguished unmaking. It's just, there's so many options and, and way, way more when you branch out from just mono black as well. So I'm not, uh, not super high on this one in comparison to the other ones. Yep. All right, uh, moving on to the next card. This is Daring Fiend Bonder. Three in black for a 5-1 creature, Human Warlock. It has haste, it attacks each combat if able, and you can pay one in black and exile it from your graveyard to put an indestructible counter on target creature. You can activate this ability only anytime you could cast a sorcery. I, I don't, this seems like a bit big hoop to jump through. <laughs> yeah, I definitely feel that. Um, I don't know if I would ever, like actually cast this for four unless like that five mana haste the five power hasty guy was just going to kill someone immediately um i do think like if you're milling yourself then the two mana put an indestructible counter on something is there might be decks that really want that i'm, I'm thinking maybe a sir conrad list wants that or something mm-hmm. like that um, i mean it is like free value from your graveyard so mm-hmm. if you're yeah if you're dumping a bunch of stuff in there that makes sense but but also do i care like that's kind of where i've been at with indestructible commanders is like if my commander needs to stick around that hard uh how how much am i willing to give up to do that Mm -hmm. and this doesn't seem like that big of a commitment but also at the same time it is a card in my deck which could be something that's winning me the game as opposed to something that's preventing my opponent from killing my commander yeah for me this is a lot less appealing than uh dark steel plate yeah the the one deck i think might be able to make good use of this is like greven because Mm -hmm. you draw five cards when you sacrifice it and then and greven of course is like very vulnerable to disruption from spot removal so that might be a good use for it yeah 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 that's definitely true that's pretty cool um, the next card is Dredge the Mire. This is three and a black for a sorcery. Each opponent chooses a creature card in their graveyard. Put those cards onto the battlefield under your control. Um, so what do you think you're going to get back with this? 
I think I'm going to get back uh, Lanmar Elf and mm-hmm. Seder Wayfinder. And okay, yeah, yeah. Uh, maybe if I'm really lucky, I'll get like a Grand Abolisher. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, mm-hmm. there you go. Okay, okay. I'm, I'm feeling it. Uh, yeah, this is... Uh, this is going to... You're going to get back creatures, but mm-hmm. unless you're really pruning graveyards. So like if you have a General Kudrow, so um, can exile cards when humans enter. You're You're not getting too much value off of this so like i actually maybe would play this in general kudrow because it's so cheap and i can kind of pick what i'm going to get yeah and that's pretty much it i don't know if i'd play this in general i agree unless you have a way to prune your opponent's graveyard and make it so that you aren't getting like the absolute worst card in their deck yeah (laughs) then uh i I would pass on this card Mm -hmm, for sure Oh, this next card is uh, very interesting. Netherborn Altar. It is one in a black for an artifact. Tap, put a soul counter on Netherborn Altar. Put your commander into your hand from the command zone. Then you lose three life for each soul counter on Netherborn Altar. Uh, yeah. So there are a couple black commanders that really have trouble getting out of their command zone. Um, one of them is Phage the Untouchable. Because if you cast her from anywhere other than your hand... You lose. Yeah, you lose the whole game. Uh, so, typically, I have built a phage deck in the past, and I had to like counter my own phage to keep her from killing me when she entered the battlefield. Uh, I, you know, I would run torpor orb, and then of course, if anyone had like a naturalize while I was casting my commander, I would just straight lose. So, <laughs> I'm I'm really excited to see a a way to get phage out of the command zone that doesn't risk your life. Um, also, there is Hakon, Stromgald Scourge, who has the very unfortunate text, you can cast Hakon from your graveyard, but not from anywhere else. So you previously, the only way to get him out of the command zone was Command Beacon, but giving him another option seems really good because it is a, a fun deck. He allows you to cast knight cards from your graveyard. So interesting tribal aspect. And there's, of course, like um, the, the changeling removal spell nameless inversion that you can keep casting from your graveyard because hey it happens to be a knight Mm -hmm. so cool commanders that can make use of this yeah it's it's really cool um this next card is species specialist it is a two three human warrior for two black black as species specialist enters the battlefield choose a creature type whenever a creature of the chosen type dies you may draw a card I like this. This is only going to go in tribal lists. Mm-hmm. This is only going to go in a few tribal lists. So uh, interesting tech for certain lists. I would say like Gave, Slimefoot. Those are the two that really came to mind at first for me. Um, I think picking uh, Human might be pretty good. Um, trying to think of other... If you play this in Endrixar, picking like Thrall might be pretty good. Mm-hmm. Um yeah there you go yeah no it seems like a a good useful tool for tribal decks with in a black color identity i like it so this next card is titan hunter it is a four five human warrior for four and a black at the beginning of each player's end step if no creatures died this turn titan hunter deals four damage to that player one black sack a creature gain four life Mm, man really hate that yep uh, sucks mm, bad ah uh, feels so bad okay uh well that's the last black card <laughs> yeah moving on um do you how are you feeling about black um uh it seems like black got some 
black got some power in like more niche decks yeah i was gonna say it seems like they gave uh black a lot of power in very corner cases yeah whereas like white got some generally useful cards i think Mm -hmm. black's more specialized and that's fine because black was already good yep i I actually really do like when they put the really specialized cards into like black and blue and stuff like that Mm -hmm. it's like they don't need more power they're they're doing great i Um, feel the same way so uh i guess we're going into red this next red card is called agitator ant it is a uh two two insect for one and a red at the beginning of your end step, each player may put two plus one plus one counters on a creature they control. Go to each creature that had counters put on it this way. How do you feel about this guy? Mm, I don't love it. It's, uh, <laughs> I mean, with these commander precons, they look for a lot of opportunities to do designs that they can't do elsewhere. So like goad is a mine that they have been coming back to because it's not something they can touch in regular, uh, standard releases. Yeah. Um, but the the problem is this card like gives your opponents control over what it does and they are you know they're gonna layer on counters until they feel like they have enough and that's when they're coming at you yeah i I just am not a fan of card that solely that like enhance my opponent's creatures and (laughs) can eventually that can eventually be used against me yeah for sure this is like um I feel like this is for the Boros players that are sitting there with the wrath in their hand and they're like, yes, yes, put the counters on the creatures. Mm-hmm. Um, and then once they go, no, I'm not going to, you cast your route and get them. What's for, you get them. But that's not a line of play that I'm super into all the time. So I'm probably going to pass on Agitator Ant. Mm-hmm. Um, this next card, I actually like a lot. This is Deflecting Swat. It is two and a red for an instant. If you control your commander, you may cast the spell without paying its mana cost. You may choose new targets for target spell or ability. Um, this is the best wording on this effect. Um, you can pick multiple targets for spells with multiple targets. Uh, it's free if you don't cast it, and it's about what it should cost if you were going to cast a spell like this. Um, redirects are typically two to three mana, so I'm not super pissed about it. It's really good at protecting your commander from spot removal. Yeah. It can counter counter spells. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I think it's a, a useful tool for red decks. Yeah, I, I really like this card. I'm going to pick up some, and it's got a cool dino as the art, so that's red. Yeah. Do you want to read this next guy? Sure. This is Fireflux Squad. It is a 4-3 human soldier, 4-3 and a red. It has haste. And when it attacks, you may exile another target attacking creature you control. If you do, reveal cards from the top of your library until you reveal a creature card. Put that card onto the battlefield tapped and attacking. And put that card onto the battlefield tapped and attacking. And the rest on the bottom of your library in a random order. So if you are have a red token commander with a lot of that also is running a lot of fatties, then I think this guy is going to be perfect for you what commanders would fit into that set yeah so there's there's a few there uh i would say varchild is one of them felden is one of them valduk is one of them uh basically it exiles whatever creature forever so you really really want to hit a token uh, and these decks are typically running fatties that leave behind multiple bodies think like your mer battle spheres or your um chancellor of the forges and things like that um and uh, Valdic, you you're just getting a bunch of tokens, so it's just not really difficult to exile a token and get something better, something substantial out for free. Mm-hmm. Um, but like Felden in particular, I think would like this guy because uh, you can play it. You can make a copy from the graveyard, 
exile some other token or something like that and get an actual card onto the battlefield. Um, so, uh, more high on this guy than I thought when I first read him, but uh, I don't think he goes into every deck. Mm-hmm. All right. Next red card is Lava Brink Floodgates. Three and a red for an artifact. It taps for red, red. At the beginning of each player's upkeep, that player may put a Doom counter on Lava Brink Floodgates or remove a Doom counter from it. Then if it has three or more Doom counters on it, sacrifice it. When you do, it deals six damage to each creature. Uh, how do you feel about this kind of voting uh, collaboration with your opponents type of card? Um, so normally I don't like this kind of thing. I don't like I, I don't like giving my opponents the option to pick their fate, uh, especially on this, which is a really cool mana rock, honestly, for mono red. Mm-hmm. Um, I think if I had a if if you play this in a timely manner, I think, uh, kind of forcing your opponents to go, do I get to play my Atali next turn or are you going to wrath the board? Uh, can like, you can set it up so that it's kind of like damned if you do damned, if you don't scenario. But I think a lot of the time you're going to play this on turn four, people are going to blow up your mana rock when there's nothing on the battlefield. Uh, and you're going to kind of cry a little bit. Mm. I think that's going to happen fairly often. Um, I think there's also going to be plenty of times where it's just a deadlock where that's true. Uh, multiple players just don't want to put doom counters on it. And then there's, okay, I'll just keep my, my Hedron archive. Yeah. SSA's ring. Yeah. Except way better. Cause it's actual colors of mana. Mm, true. True. Which is red and doesn't even enter tapped. That's the best part about this card. Mm-hmm. So I, I do actually like this card. I'm just expecting to get trolled by it every now and then. Yeah. All right, the next card is very interesting. It is Molten Echoes. Two red red for an enchantment. As it enters the battlefield, choose a creature type. Whenever a non-token creature of the chosen type enters the battlefield under your control, create a token that's a copy of that creature. That token gains haste. Exile it at the beginning of the next end step. Uh, What creature types do you think are most able to use this card? Yeah, um, I mean, the first one is dragons. Red dragons. They're big. They come down after this comes down. They hit really hard. Uh, when you have two of them, they hit extra hard. It's uh, pretty awesome that this doesn't cost any mana to make a, a co- copy of them on. I was running uh, Flame Shadow Conjuring, which is uh, four mana. Uh, when a cr- non-token creature enters the battlefield under your control, you can pay a red to make it basically the same thing. Make a token copy, exile it in a turn. It has haste. Um the this is kind of just better for a lot of the lists i was running that in mm-hmm. um and it's better in not just mono red list too so elementals they do something typically when they enter and leave uh turns out these uh tokens are entering and leaving so that's pretty good and then uh allies getting double triggers on a lot of your allies is like pretty good uh someone had said that they were interested in running this in inala because with that list you're you know, incentivized to run the wizards that do something yeah. that, like when you give them haste and are about to leave them at the end of turn. So it seems solid in that list too. Mm-hmm. Another just way to double up on your ETB triggers, your tap effects. Yeah, get some wizards going up in here. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I do actually really like this card. It uh, definitely is powerful in certain decks. Um, I used to have a Zerlin of the Claw deck, so that's why I have a soft spot for these doubling of dragons. Mm-hmm. All right, the next card is Spellfire Phoenix, Rough Translation. It's three red red for a 4-2 Phoenix with flying. When it enters the battlefield, you may return an instant or sorcery card with cycling from your graveyard to your hand. 
At the beginning of each end step, if you have cycled at least two cards this turn, return Spellfire Phoenix from your graveyard to your hand. How do you feel about this guy? I actually kind of like this guy. I think that the it's like sad that the cycling deck doesn't need this because this is a really cool design. And I actually really like this like kind of engine that they have going where not only do you like get to kind of cycle cards like you want, you get this Phoenix back that gets you more cycling cards kind of keep that chain going uh it just it the fact that it's five mana means that you're interrupting that chain and like yes it does like maybe you just hit a a rut and you draw four lands that don't cycle in a row or something like that um this would help you kind of get out of that that kind of pickle that you're in but um i don't know i just feel like that situation isn't going to happen enough for me to care about it if that's fair. Yeah. I just wish it had cycling itself. Like, yeah. um, I, I would be happy to give this a card slot. I can see situations where it would be useful, but I can also see plenty of situations where I really just need more cycling cards in my hand to hit my Gavi triggers. And this isn't doing anything for me. Yeah. Yeah. I haven't hit five mana really need that cycler. Don't have that cycler. Uh Oh, mm-hmm. so that, yeah, I feel like that'll happen fairly often. Um, this next guy is Surly Badgesaur, a 3-3 Badger Dinosaur, 4-3 in a red. Whenever you discard a creature card, put a plus one plus one counter on Surly Badgesaur. Whenever you discard a land card, create a treasure token. Whenever you discard a non-creature, non-land card, Surly, Badge- Surly Badgesaur fights up to one target creature you don't control. Um, I love this guy. This little guy is doing it. He's getting it. He's, he's living his best life. Uh, I love wheeling, um, getting this much value off of a card when I pitch my hand. Wonderful. Just, oh man, all that mana. He gets huge. He probably kills something. Um, just watch out that he doesn't fight too many things. Yeah. Uh, that would be the key with this guy. So yeah, uh, love, love him. Yeah. I'm a big fan. I think that Nekusar can make good use of this guy. Like once you're generating mana off of each wheel you're casting you're able to do it over and over and over uh neheb 3.0 oh yeah definitely yeah he's able to discard a bunch of cards he'll be able to farm these triggers pretty well um riel the the new card the the is it wheel lord from ikoria i think is also going to be able to use this really well oh yeah yeah sharky boys angie falcon wrath there's like a lot of commanders that discard cards and uh this is just going to be great for so many of those lists Mm -hmm. um we have one more red card this is wartime broker a four mana three and a red for a four four human warrior whenever one or more creatures attack an opponent or a planeswalker an opponent controls those creatures gain menace until end of turn so okay there's some stats do you want to get into the stats about that yeah so so goblin war drums does see which is Two and a red for an enchantment. Creatures you control have menace. Uh, does see a fair bit of play in mono red go wide decks. It's in almost 60% of Grenzo decks. It's in uh, close to 50% of Ibhap Heart decks. Uh, a lot of Lovisa Cold Eyes decks. So it sees play in these, these mono red token lists. So I'm not 100% against this card. Mm-hmm. This does also provide a body and it gives you an incentive for your opponents to attack each other which Mm -hmm. you know it's something but in general i just don't know if this effect is worth a card yeah i would say i would only really run this in these mono red 
kind of token aggressive list because uh, it is itself a 4-4 menace when it's attacking. It gives all your other creatures menace when they attack and it does incentivize your opponents to attack elsewhere. A lot of times in these lists you kind of have these chumpy dudes sitting around these goblin tokens, elemental tokens sitting there kind of like dissuading attacks on you anyway. And if you go, hey, if you attack them, you get in. If you attack me, I chump. That's something. Mm-hmm. So again, I, I agree with you. I don't think it's like enough to warrant a slot in like more um decks with more to do but in those decks i think it is probably fine yep all right how do you feel about red overall based on what we've seen in this set i'm pretty happy um it got some interesting cards and it got some cool power in the form of like the deflecting swat uh and the uh the badgesaur i think is just going to be like something we see from now on uh, I'm also really excited to play with the Lava Brink Floodgates, uh, even though I know it's just gonna, it's gonna troll me so hard. <laughs> so I, I think that overall, Red got some some good power and then some niche power, and that's that's good. I think Red needed some of this stuff. All right, moving on to Green then. So the first one, uh, rough translation of the name, Capricoprio. Uh, it is X and a Green for a Goat Hydra. It's a zero zero and enters the battlefield with X plus one plus one counters. Then somebody, any player can pay two while it's attacking. Uh, if they are attacking them and only during the declare attacker step to put a plus one plus one counter on it and then choose, rechoose what player it's attacking. So your opponents can sort of bid using plus one plus one counters and uh, whoever is unable to pay the bid gets hit with it. Yep, and it gets bigger the whole time. Um, I feel like most people aren't going to pay this except just to troll each other. This is kind of one of those, like, you assume your friends are rational actors and then they don't do that mm-hmm. kind of cards. Um, this isn't really something that I'm into, uh, but I I can see why it was printed in a commander deck. Yeah, I'd, I'd be a little higher on this card if it had trample, but yeah, the fact that it can be chumped is also... Um, a downside to it significant yeah. downside yeah yeah so sad if it entered with like a set number of counters to it might be useful for certain decks but the fact that it's a zero zero that enters with zero counters unless you paid mana also is kind of dissuades me from using it in like silly ways mm-hmm. um this next card is curious herd a four mana instant three and a green choose target opponent you create x three three green beast tokens where x is the number of artifacts that player controls um, I mean, this is just like, it's a little bit meta dependent, but more likely than not, you're just going to get a ton of power off of one card. Um, the fact that it, uh, doesn't count enchantments kind of is kind of sucks. The fact that it limits it to like a single opponent kind of sucks. But, um, if you really need just like a bunch of token bodies and you have a friend who's running, soul ring mana crypt the whole the whole gang is here worn power stone gilded lotus um getting like 12 power for four mana at instant speed doesn't seem bad Mm -hmm. yeah no i agree with you uh the next card is one that has sparked a little bit of controversy yes so this is glade muse it's two and a green for a two four beast whenever a player casts a spell if it's not their turn that player draws a card uh well so it's a symmetrical effect so you definitely want to be running a commander that can make better use of it than your opponents 
so like Rashmi, Eternity's Crafter, she has an ability that triggers, uh, it's the first spell you cast on each turn. So that deck is also, is likely to run a lot of instants, likely to run Flash Granners. So it's naturally equipped to play well on its opponent's turns and trigger this Glade Muse. Uh, any other commanders that you think could could use this well? Uh, I would say, I think Bant decks, this is probably going to be pretty good in. You usually have a lot of like counter spells and things to say on your opponent's turns. Um, I know a lot of Rafik of the many decks that run like a lot of protection, a lot of counter spells, a lot of stifles and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Um, cause really all you want to do on your turn is like suit up Rafik and kill someone. And then just protecting Rafik is really all you need to do to win the game. Um, that's someone that I would think about running this in um, just because you're going to get so much incidental like card draw off of it. I think it's also meta dependent though because you are giving your opponents a way like your spell slinger friends and is it really love this? Um, so you really got to be careful about that. Um, yeah, if if I was in a a Rashmi deck or some deck, some green deck that also had blue in its color identity, I would much, I would feel much safer running a wave break hippocamp. Yeah, exactly. I think I would rather want run the wave break hippocamp most of the time. Uh, there aren't that many like Tamur commanders that really want this, which is like the place that I would really be like looking to play it. You have that, like those, is it things, um, I guess, I guess the dinosaur, I mm-hmm. guess is the only one and he's the, um, what's his face we talked about earlier. Um, but that's kind of the only one I would think about cause that's the only deck I can think of that you're in really good colors for instance, and probably still going to have more instance than your opponents. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, that is where I would play Glade Muse, but uh, do you want to talk about the, the controversy a little bit? Yeah. Yes. Um, so this card was the source of some controversy because of how it stretches green's color pie. Wizards has been saying for years that green's card draw is and should be tied to its creatures, but this card doesn't really say anything about creatures. Um, green has also had several cards over the years that are like directly opposed to playing on other people's turns. Uh, Dosan the Falling Leaf and City of Tol- Solitude prevent players from casting spells not on their turns. Mm-hmm. Even Dragon Lord Dramoka, which is white green, but that is part of that card, is like, don't cast things on my turn. Yeah, so uh, there's a, a question people are asking, why is this card green? Why does green get this reward, especially when Wave Break Hippocamp was literally in the last set and like yeah. cemented this as more of a blue thing? So Morrow's explanation, he... he posted a long post on Twitter or sorry on Tumblr. Um, he admitted that like triggering off of instance is pretty odd for green and sort of justifies it by saying that it can trigger off of creatures with flash, which ties it back to green's normal design space. But he, he ends his, his post with this paragraph. I'll be honest. Calls like these are hard. And sometimes we look back with time and realize we made a bad call. I'm not sure where glade muse will end up, but I want to be open that judging color identity of new effects within the context of the need of the product is tricky and we don't always bat 100% with 2020 hindsight. So to me, that seems uh, like he's maybe admitting a mistake there, but not just going he's, out the way, it, n- not completely admitting it. Yeah, he, he's being political about it. Yeah, I, don't, I, I get the sense that maybe he 
didn't uh, agree with this at the time, and mm-hmm. and now he's getting having to be the spokesperson in the face of this back, backlash. Yeah, this happens a lot with uh, supplemental products because Mara does not work on most supplemental products. I think mo- pretty much any of them. I think he worked on like maybe a battle bond or something like that mm-hmm. a little bit, and not even leading, just like a little bit of time on it. And yet he gets a lot of the flack for these color pie uh, breaks a lot of the time because mm-hmm. he's just the spokesperson. So I'm so sorry, Maro, that Commander keeps throwing these curveballs in green at you, but uh, you're you're handling it so well. Yeah. <laughs> so gracefully. Um, do you want to get into this next card? Sure. This is the, the final member of the Commander free spell cycle. This is Obscuring Haze. Two and a green for an instant. If you control a commander, you may cast this spell without paying its mana cost. Prevent all damage that would be dealt this turn by creatures your opponents control. Um, yeah, so this is better than a fog because this is also um, one-sided. It's one-sided. It's like a, this is also a combat trick. So you can block with a bunch of creatures, like don't block the big guys, trade away some things, um, or vice versa, like like triple block something. Like you can just always take this to your advantage because you know, like what is going on here. Um, do I think this deserves a card slot in a lot of green decks? No, 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 I don't care. Yeah, I I agree. I I just don't think that fog is worth running most of the time. Mm -hmm. I will make an exception for constant mists because that is, you know, it's so many fog. Yeah. It's a lot of fog, Mm -hmm. but just this one shot effect is, does not appeal to me nearly as much as the other members of the cycle. I, I totally agree with you. Uh, so this next card is Ravenous Gigantotherm. This is a 3-3 three, three with Devour 3. It's a beast for 5 green green. When Ravenous Gigantotherm enters the battlefield, it deals X damage divided as you choose among t- up to X target creatures where X is its power. Each of those creatures deals damage equal to its power to Ravenous Gigantotherm. Um, so basically... Uh, devour three is huge so let's say you devour three creatures so that means you get a 12 12 for seven mana and then you can deal 12 damage kind of divided as you choose amongst like a bunch of stuff um and typically you're not going to have enough creatures that your opponents control that this is hitting to kill it when it's a 12 12 uh you're probably going to take out like every mana dork and like some utility guys and that is a ton of value for seven mana yeah the only thing i would caution you against is you do have to be aware of the potential for a blowout if you sack a bunch of guys and your opponent just doom blades this with the etb trigger on the stack then it's gonna be pretty painful for you it's gonna be real bad so i would play this in like a uh uh like a slime foot list i would play this in lists that like really love like sacking their guys um, especially green, like these green token lists, these kind of grindy token lists. But I don't think this is going to slot into uh, a lot of green decks just because you need that sack fodder. You really need to hit like three, four creatures with that devour trigger before you're really kind of hitting home. Yeah, I, I totally agree. I would definitely run this in token lists or decks with lots of sack fodder, but this is not just run it in random green deck. Yeah, Apex Altasaur, this is not. Yeah. All right, this next card is Selective Adaptation. It is a green sorcery for green green. 
Reveal the top seven cards of your library. Choose from among them a card with flying, a card with first strike, and so on for double strike, death touch, haste, hexproof, indestructible, lifelink, menace, reach, trample, and vigilance. Put of the chosen cards, uh, put one of the chosen cards onto the battlefield, the other chosen cards into your hand, and the rest into your graveyard. So, to summarize, because this is a lot of words, especially for a podcast. Um, this is a six mana sorcery. You reveal the top seven cards in your library. You, uh, you pick a bunch of ki- creatures with keywords. One of them goes into the battlefield. The rest go to your hand and everything else that whiffs goes in your graveyard. Ooh, do you think that's worth a card? No. Yeah, I definitely don't think that's worth a card. You have to not only have a bunch of creatures with a bunch of different keywords. You also have to have them in the top seven cards of your library. It's incredibly hard to hypergeometric calculator that because like how many creatures of the flying do I want? How many creatures of the indestructible do I want? When does my deck start becoming non-functional because I'm forcing way too many different keywords into my list? Um, Honestly, I would prefer to see these kinds of effects in red because green is so adept at uh, tutoring up what it wants. Like you can get exactly the creature you want. You don't have to go for these random effects in green. So why not put it in the color pie of a of a color that could make use of it i totally agree with that yeah this just feels so bad because i could either like try and like luck into my blight steel colossus or i could like just play it just get it (laughs) because you can do that this next card this is the last green card this is slip sorry this is (laughs) this is slippery bog bonder a three three human druid for three and a green it has flash it has hexproof and when Slippery Bog Bonder enters the battlefield, put a hexproof counter on target creature, then move any number of counters from among creatures you control onto that creature. Um, this is actually this is like a pretty good trick, honestly. Like it's a body, it protects a guy, it like surprises guys. I think this is like good in like peer and toothy lists. I think this is good in like even like certain gave lists and things like that because it's like or definitely in the new uh time uh list mm-hmm. uh i re- i don't think this is a staple i think people see hexproof and get really excited but yeah this is definitely not a bad card yeah i was thinking about this in uh set and Crosen protect oh yeah 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 that's awesome um, it happens to be a druid so it's naturally a card that deck is going to want you get subsidized a little bit in that respect and uh you know you of course want to keep your setting around so your dudes can keep generating mana so mm-hmm. it might be useful there yeah no yeah it's it's a a weird tool um which kind of brings us to the end of green mm-hmm. uh, how are you feeling about green in this set i think it didn't work out that well for green yeah i think green did not get that much uh gets i think green got a controversy and some weird cards and that's not uh, a lot. That's not a good place to be. Yeah, uh, but that's fine. I mean, green is already doing pretty great, so yeah. it's okay if they can whiff on this. Yeah, I, again, I, I, when green doesn't get good stuff, it feels I'm, I'm more okay with that than when white doesn't get things. And white has been getting a lot of good stuff. And so if Slippery Bog Bonder is the one of the better green cards this set, I'm cool with that. Mm-hmm. Um, so we only have a few more cards. We have some artifacts and a land. Thank you so much for sticking with us. Do you want to get into these last ones? We don't have too much to say about these guys. Yes. So this next one is Binding Ornament. It's a three cost artifact. It taps for one man of any color and you can pay four and tap it so that each player who controls a card named Binding Ornament 
or sorry, who controls a card named Binding Ornament draws a card. Um, I I'm not crazy about this. This is so funny. Yeah, I'm not crazy about this either. Maybe you and your friends can like it's like secret alliance each other, and like whatever beat up on somebody. Uh, don't really care too much about these three mana rocks like this. Yeah, uh, and this uh, this tap ability, this this drawing a card effect is just very very slow you're you're essentially spending five mana for it so yeah and it is card draw in any color and i'm assuming your opponents aren't going to have these i'm just going to throw that out there which i'm assuming you're playing mono white you're the only one with the bystander ornament and you're paying four mana and tapping this to draw a card even in mono white there's better ways to get cards yeah so uh, i'm gonna pass on this the next mana rock is much more interesting it is manascape refractor it's a three cost artifact. It enters the battlefield tapped. It has all activated abilities of all lands on the battlefield and you can may sp- and you may spend mana as though it were mana of any color to pay the activation costs of Manascape Refractor's abilities. Yeah, this um there's a lot of magical Christmas land that can happen with this card in a similar vein to like what happened with Nyx Lotus. I think a lot of people saw Nyx Lotus and were like oh my god and like lost it and we're super excited and then played with nyx lotus and we're like oh it makes three yeah because because that's usually what it does like there's very like few times when i've seen a nyx lotus make like six mm-hmm. or seven so uh it, i think most of the time this manascape refractor is going to just make two someone's gonna have a bounce land your three mana rock taps for blue white or like black blue or something like that and that's fine every now and then you're gonna get a volras stronghold or something like that and then every now and then you're gonna get like a guy's cradle mm-hmm. and then you're really in the money but like uh hmm this is so dependent on like what you're doing if you have really good like lands i would probably run this if you play in a meta where people kind of have the money to have very good mana bases and very good utility lands this is probably worth it um I don't think I would just jam this in every deck. Yeah, I, I agree with you. I think it's very meta dependent. In our meta, we don't see a lot of bounce lands. No, yeah, that we've been we've been trolled too many times. <laughs> so if if they're more common in your meta, this becomes a lot better. If if when you cast it on turn three, you can mostly expect to just tap it for a single mana on turn four, then I don't know if you want to be. Yeah, I would say it's not worth it. But if you're like very consistently with your decks getting like cable coffers, guys, cradles, like things that make just a, a ton of mana, um, this might be worth it. Or if you very often are flipping the like legendary lands from um, Ixalan. Uh, Ixalan, it like being able to like use some of those activated abilities like multiple times, that's pretty good too. So um, yeah, again, it's going to be really dependent on your meta. I don't think this is... Uh, crazy uh i will see if i'm sticking my foot in my mouth in a month or two so yep. we'll see how that goes all right uh the next card is sanctuary blade it's a two cost artifact equipment as it enter or sorry as it becomes attached to a creature choose a color a good creature gets plus two plus oh and has protection from the last chosen color and it has equipped for three so when i saw this um the first thing i thought was choosing protection from red and putting it on Dao Chan Artful Beauty. Oh, I love that. So Dao Chan Artful Beauty is three and a red for a 1-1 legendary human advisor. It has tap, destroy target creature of your choice, then destroy target creature of an opponent's choice. 
Activate this ability only your, during your turn before attackers are declared. So if you give her pro red, your opponents can't choose her. And uh, then you're just really in the money. Yeah, that's wonderful. I love that. Other than that, this is so expensive. Yeah. <laughs> I would not play this in most lists. Um, plus two, plus oh is just not worth three mana, or the first five mana investment in particular, too. Mm. Um, the next card is Twinning Staff. Uh, three mana artifact. If you would copy a spell one or more times, instead copy it that many times plus an additional time. You may choose new targets for the additional copy. It also has seven tap, copy, target, instant, or sorcery spell you control. You may choose new targets for the copy. Um, yeah, wow. Um, so Calamax, the dino we were talking about before, I think this is just, I think this is coming in that list is my guess. Mm-hmm. And uh, I think it deserves to stay there because getting three like growth spirals for two mana seems pretty good or getting three like literally any instant (laughs) seems pretty good like that's a lot of value so um and the three mana investment like is nothing like that is so small for like such a huge effect so um definitely certain decks like this is super awesome in uh I think like, yeah, it got eternal Kefnet and Zada, like Zada, Zada is blowing my mind right now. That's so much value. Yeah. You in can Zada list. Absolutely. You can, uh, use it well in Riku, Savine, the chronoclasm, uh, in Melek. Is it Paragon? Oh yeah. So wow. Plenty of commanders that can make use of this card. It seems very powerful in those lists. Yeah. So super cool. Very excited about it. Um, and we only have one more card for you guys. So again, thank you for making it through this, uh, marathon, like basically going to be two hour episode. Um, you're doing great. Uh, we hope you enjoyed this. We hope that this lasted many commutes if you are still commuting. And if not, we hope that this entertained you, uh, during these, these, uh, indoor times that we're living in. Mm-hmm. So, uh, Do you want to read off this last card? All right. The last card is Nesting Grounds. It is a land. It taps for a colorless mana. And you you can pay one and tap it to move a counter from target permanent you control onto another target permanent. Activate this ability only anytime you could cast a sorcery. Uh, It's... They they made Giant Fan. They made Giant Fan. Uh, Yeah, I'm happy they made Giant Fan. Uh, Giant Fan turns out to be a little clunky. A little bit. A little bit sorcery speed is kind of a weird thing, but this does uh, let you kind of cheat certain things. This lets you like pop some planeswalkers a little bit early. Um, Moving counters can just kind of be a headache sometimes. Uh, Do do I want this in a lot of lists though? Uh, No, I agree. Um, If your if your commander is one of the very few with cumulative upkeep. (laughs) <laughs> then yeah. you can remove age counters from it and, and make sure you keep around, keeping around for a while. Um, there are one or two really heinous cards with cumulative upkeep. Um, you can keep your infernal darkness around forever. Which yeah. Is, that's kind of appealing. Uh, but yeah, I agree. There's not a lot of decks that consistent can consistently use this card. Well, yeah. Um, so that is it. Uh, we have a very quick, uh, uh, listener question Addison asks what support card do you think is missing to make these decks work if any um, I have like a kind of silly answer if that's okay sure 
Um, I just think that they should have printed more mutate cards. I think they needed cheaper mutate cards. Yeah, I, I really don't. The way I'm seeing right now is like if you want to trigger mutate every turn, if you want to really farm like the mutate commanders, then you are like spending all of your mana every turn to add another card onto the pile. And it's so easy to stop that from happening. And like yeah. once you're back to zero, it's it's just, okay, I'm going to recast another creature and recast my commander with mutate yeah. and then keep going from there. It just seems like none of them reward you adequately for the for what they ask of you yeah exactly except for the inset abzan ones where you don't actually care that you're mutating like, oh yeah it it's doesn't just matter. doing this once will probably put me in a winning position exactly all of the other ones um and i guess i would actually say uh, a tree me also doesn't necessarily because you don't you're not necessarily trying to make like a mutate pile but like every other mutate card and every other mutate commander like they're triggering off of these mutate effects and it just seems not worth it. Mm -hmm. I, I just really think they needed like more and cheaper effects. So that's my, my big one, I think. Yeah. Uh, we haven't seen the entirety of Ikoria at this point. So I am hoping that we see more, more good human generators. I think that Jarena really needs to be able to go wide to maximize her effectiveness. Yeah. And without solid human token generators uh, that you can consistently draw every game, it's going to be pretty difficult to make that work. Yeah. I think right now there is like the Jarena lists are going to be, um, you're going to kind of have to rely on these flicker effects, I think, because mm -hmm. just to be able like to use her to get the critical mass of just humans you need to just kill people. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so, um, which kind of, that kind of sucks. Like there should just be more human token generation. There should just be like, it's never bad. Like, like token cards like are fun and people like them. So I don't know. We'll yeah. See. We'll right. see what the next sets have to do. We'll see. Yeah. My, my current Jarena list is just running because there's not enough token generation. I'm just running a lot of utility humans who aren't necessarily the best brawlers. Yeah. Yeah. And I would actually say that the Tireless Wisdom, the the cycling deck, actually got pretty much everything it needed. Um, I would say it didn't get... Let's see. It didn't get the um, big, like, uh, token pump spells. It didn't get, like, shared animosity and stuff like that. But um, it got Reconnaissance Mission. It got a ton of these like discard like bonus things it got pretty much all the cycling cards it needs it has a psychosis crawler it has like multiple ways to win um so out of all of the decks i think that one came away with the most of what it needed so far so um yeah i'm i, I am actually very excited for these lists i think they did a really good job with them i, I think last year there is some questionable choices that they made um perhaps with Angie Falconwraith mm -hmm. and Savine and uh, especially the Savine list, like putting this lackluster deck with these like staples in it to like kind of cover for that fact, uh, like new staples, not a super good plan, but here it seems like we're actually getting a decent amount of good stuffs and they're spread out over all the decks. It's not like one of them is like super crazy, like terrible compared to the other ones. Mm -hmm. So yeah, I, I think this is a good set of decks this year. I'm very excited for the, the main deck cards that they've added. 
I'm also going to be building probably a couple of these commanders. Yeah, I'm surprised at how many... Like, normally the the commander set will come out, and maybe there'll be one that I want to build, maybe two. There's a, yeah, a couple of these lists that I'm going to build at bare minimum just on the internet, if not in real life, too. So, very excited. Yeah, I think it's been a, a good pre set of precons, and I can't wait to see how they're enhanced by the remaining cards from Ikoria. But uh, our Ikoria set review is going to be wrapping up in the next week and you'll get to to hear how we think those cards align with these precon commanders so yeah thank you for listening do you want to do you want to give a last shout out i do uh i want to give a brief thank you to our patreon patrons they are bradley gustav ryan mark addison mason will rick laser Raphael, kyle charlotte andrew tom the white clays aubrey hannah anthony andy cooper dylan james justin logan roger david evan bryce dylan benjamin jason kyle jerry and brandon thank you all for supporting the show it's because of your it's because of your patronage that we're able to keep up with all of the spoilers oh my god yes this has been an (laughs) insane weekend like even on top of the insanity of whatever life is right now this has been a lot to deal with so we thank you for sticking with us and supporting us and we really appreciate it um i also want to give a shout out to uh again alex white clay for helping with the analysis on some of these cards um being able to bounce ideas off of him uh, getting his opinion on things has been like so helpful when you have an entire two sets worth of cards just kind of thrown in your lap and you have to make sense of it and make multiple deck lists and thank you for that um i also want to say thank you to mark for helping uh process a few of these commanders as well um so thank you to you guys in particular and thank you to all the patrons for the like wonderful questions and everything and uh, we hope that you enjoyed the set review because it is a doozy yep uh well if you are one last thing if you're not currently a patreon patron but would like to become one you can go to patreon.com slash commander theory thanks for listening if any of you theorists want to get in touch with us i am at commander theory on twitter and tumblr and zach is at fat bartleby on twitter our theme song is lincoln continental by entropy and you can check them out on soundcloud until next time we're going back to the drawing board